The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. I, I didn't realize until now. And he's still dead. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, another week in the Q Zone, and maybe uh, some tips on how to see the stars without actually leaving your house, if that's sort of an appealing thing to you. I don't know, maybe it's not. Do, do you ever want to see the stars without having to get off the couch, El Kaiser? Well, I have no choice now, right? Yeah, yeah. You kinda, I mean, well, you could go, go, could go out on, well, if you had a stoop, you could go out there. But, but New York is just too much light pollution. You can't see anything anyway. Yeah, that's true. So. That's true. Although the air doesn't taste as bad as it usually does. That's true. All of this this sort of uh, in, enforced conservation here is, is really help. That's right. The sheltering in place, yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so so we got some some space tips for NASA nerds later in the show. But <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. And I'm very sad. I'm really, really sad. Why are you sad? Because I got some news that I didn't know about. Was this I didn't about Ruby re- Rose leaving Batwoman? No, well, that's another thing. Yeah. You know, I don't have a problem with that because like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, yeah. she's not the best actress in the world. Okay, let's be blunt. Yeah, well, okay? apparently it was a, a fraught set and she's left cryptic Instagrams. But anyway, this is not your point of sadness. What is your point no. of sadness? Alfred Pennyworth is dead. Nobody told me. Really? That, that he had... Uh... Then he kicked the bucket. Nobody told me. And then Batman was all upset. So I couldn't watch any television. Because I'm having to dig up all the old Batman comics from last year to figure out what the heck happened. Last thing I knew, Batman was getting married. Everyone was happy. Yeah. And he didn't get married. Alfred is dead. What's going on? So Alfred died in a horrible DC publicity stunt? Apparently. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Sorry, sorry. Wow. Cynical New Yorker. Was that sarcastic? Was that sarcasm? (laughs) I just don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, I don't get DC sometimes. I'm just going to go on a tiny little rank. I don't get DC. Every time I think I got a handle on what's going on with DC, they go buck wild and they do something crazy. Like they kill Alfred Pennyworth. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, what are they? Of course, next year they're probably gonna like revamp every single comic book, like they do every six weeks. Yeah, they lost me when they did the new Fifty Two way back. I was this is just too well, much they, to keep they, track they, of. They did the new Fifty Two, and then they did the Rebirth. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many times can you restart things? It's like a Spider-Man movie now. It is every eh? week. There's a new Spider-Man movie every week. This new, I don't get it. Well, DC has always had a history. I mean, if you look back even to the seminal classic Flash of Two Worlds back in what was it, the Golden Age, the Silver Age, I forget which age it was, but it was when they first realized that, oh, our old Flash is kind of dumpy, let's get this hot new Flash in the red bodysuit, and then they had to make up the whole Earth 2 thing to explain why we had two Flashes. And so that created a multiverse, and then they kept having the other two stuff, and they built, and then it got so convoluted that you know eighty six comes around, eighty five, eighty six. Oh, we got to tear all this down with Crisis of Infinite Earths, mm-hmm. which I know has just been revived on TV, but the comic book came out then, and so then they rip all the multiverses apart and make it be right. one. But now they're back to you know just having these offshoots and and yeah. they prune the universe again, and so they keep doing that. And so and I know you got to reboot it every once in a while to get new readers in, but it alienates the older ones. And 
there, there's something about the stories in, in the modern era to me aren't as memorable or they don't stick as Definitely well. Not. And so I just, you know, I'll, I'll read occasionally, but. You know why? Because every single one of them, every single writer out there wants to write a classic. Yeah, they want to be a, a Marv Wolfman and, and swing for the fences. That's right. They're doing these six, what is it, six issue arcs now? Everything is a six issue arc so they can put it in a trade paperback. And it's like, all right, you know, give me a one-shot comic book. Come on, people. Mm-hmm. But they killed Alfred. Uh, yeah, he was a, a loyal friend and servant to Batman for, for lo these many years since Batman was invented, right? In what, 1940, yeah, exactly. whenever the first Detective Comics came out, 39? Yeah, so I, I haven't been watching any television. I've just been trying to find all the old comic books from last year and trying to catch up because I got to find out what the hell they did. Are you going to have a wake for Alfred or, or some sort I think of I might. proper English I, I think funeral? I think I might. Yeah, I think I might. I might watch, actually, uh, I might have a marathon of the Batman 66, because I have the the Blu-rays. Yeah. And, you know, then I'll raise a toast uh, to Alfred, yeah, Mr. Ma- Pennyworth, ma- MI6. Jen or Sherry, you know, get a proper yes, British toast. So, something classy. Yeah. So, all right, well, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, yeah, thank you. As, as thank delayed you. as it has Appreciate been. But, um, 2020 sucked. Well, actually, this happened in 2019, but, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm about it, a year behind. So, well, you, you know, know, since everything's blurring together, you know, that's right. it's, it's hard to tell anyway. It's, it's um, Blur's Day. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, all right, you know, let's do the news. Maybe that'll cheer me up. Uh, not, not likely. Um, not likely? But, really? But, you know, there's, well, I mean, it's been a really legal week. You've been following the stuff going oh, on with Twitter yeah. as wow. much as I have. And it just, every day, and I know a lot of it seems to be perhaps a distractionary measure from other things going on, but it's still impacting the social media world. So, so without further ado, let's dive into the news here. I'll put it to you this way. I tweeted this this morning. Today was shaping up, we're recording this on Friday. Mm-hmm. Today is shaping up to be the biggest news week of the year. Yes. Yes. And it's you know, insane. Yeah. And, and we insane. haven't even got to the part of the afternoon where they take oh. out the trash uh-huh. and just dump all the stuff. You exactly. know, they don't want anybody to notice. But exactly. All anyway, right. I'm sorry. so 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 let let us uh, well let's hash it out here. Twitter finds itself in the headlines and the crosshairs this week after it put a uh, couple of fact-checking disclaimers there on a few posts from the tweeter in chief. Mm-hmm. And and then so the president gets all mad. He signs an executive order on Thursday that was intended to, in certain cases, strip liability protection in certain scenarios uh, for companies like Twitter, Google, Facebook, uh, anybody who hosts user-generated content. So taking away those liability protections could make them responsible for the content on their sites. And as you know, you know, Facebook has always been, you know, I'm not responsible for that. But this means that social media platforms could face legal jeopardy if they allow users to post false and defamatory statements on their sites. By removing the liability force field that's been surrounding these sites by many years, the companies would presumably have to be more aggressive about policing boundary crossing (laughs) posts. Yes. So you're seeing the irony develop here, too. (laughs) Yeah, Um, of course. But as The New York Times uh, and other news organizations reported, uh, the move may not work out as intended. Uh, As the MIT reports, plenty of lawyers quickly said on Thursday that Trump was claiming power to do something he does not have the power to do by essentially revising the interpretation of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, the main law passed by Congress in 1996 to lay out the rules of the road for online media. Legal experts predicted that such a move would be challenged and most likely struck down by the courts. And of times quote there. So yeah, legally it's it's very shaky. And who posts a lot of stuff on Twitter that's kind of questionable? Um yeah. hmm, who could that be? 
Hey, just today they put a, a thing up because uh, of inciting violence, possibly. So Twitter's not backing down. Twitter seems to be ignoring that shot across the bow. They're adding new fact-checking labels to hundreds of tweets, not necessarily from the executive office, but just tweets in general from people posting conspiracy theories and other suspect stuff. And they were doing, you know, slapping these labels on while the executive order, I think, was getting signed. Mm-hmm. By Friday, to your point, uh, they even put that warning label over a presidential post that said it had violated its policies on inciting violence uh, because the situation in Minneapolis has been horrible all week, and that's not helping. So... They even did it on the White House account because yeah. the White House account retweeted it. So Yeah. So so Twitter is is kind of, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say spine generation is the thing here or they're realizing that rules and policy and, and rules of conduct are just being so violated here we have to do something. But in a series of tweets uh, this past Wednesday, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey said he would not back down from the fact-checking effort. To quote Jack, we'll continue to point out incorrect or disputed information. This stands in contrast to the statements of Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, who said in an interview with somebody else, Facebook shouldn't be the arbiter of truth of everything that people say online. Now, Jack appeared to clap back at Mark a few hours later, saying our intention is to connect the dots of conflicting statements and show the information in dispute so that people can judge for themselves. More transparency from us is critical so folks can clearly see the why behind our actions. Uh, And perhaps in unrelated developments, maybe, maybe not, Twitter has rolled out a native tweet scheduler within the Tweet Composer so you can write now and post later. So maybe after you've thought about things or fact-check your posts, you can time them to go up later. Oh, that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, I think people have been wanting, because it's been available, I think, in like Hootsuite and other tweet management programs. But Mm -hmm. I believe this is the first time it is a, a native component of Twitter's Tweet Composer. Yeah, remember TweetDeck? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, it's still around, but it's part of Twitter, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not what it used to be, though. And a lot of these not. ones that you could really have a lot of flexibility or, or just not so much anymore. Can I just make a quick point here? Please point away. To your point before, the irony just burns. Yes. Because Sizzle. what's, what's going to stop them? If there are no liability protections, mm-hmm. what's going to stop them from saying, see a tweeter in chief? And secondly... The whole idea that a government organization is trying to stifle speech mm-hmm. on a platform yeah. is the exact definition of a, a First Amendment violation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. I yeah. mean, it is about a government entity trying to stop you from being able to speak whatever's on your mind, regardless of whether or not people like it or not. Don't I mean, say anything about a private company, you know, correct. with a bird-themed uh, branding scheme, you know, that wants to to stop uh, stuff from getting spread on its platform. So, yeah, I think some uh, some administration folks didn't think this one through. Well, I think it's also uh, grandstanding. You know, a, well, it's like also uh, there's like a hundred and thousand plus more people who you know dying of this plague mm-hmm. that's going through the country. Yeah, maybe we should rethink our priorities. Um, maybe, yeah. I mean, just, I'm me, saying, just me, just me, just so, me, you know, maybe I organize is, things differently. Exactly. This, you know, you know, your priorities are a little different. You know, I got you know. that pragmatic Midwestern thing, but, but, you know. You're not the leader of the free world. So, you know. Yeah. You know. But uh, anyway, so, so that uh, has all been going on. Um, and wow. Wow, we did that well. Yes. I, yes. I didn't cuss once. You did. You I didn't very cuss good. once. Thank you. But uh, while all this was going on during the week, the U.S. appeals court in Washington, D.C. dismissed a lawsuit that accused major tech companies of silencing conservative voices. So this mm-hmm. uh, has 
you know, this is not a new fight. This has been going on for a couple of years, but... Exactly. The suit accused Apple, Facebook, Twitter, and Google of stifling First Amendment rights and was filed in 2018 by nonprofit Freedom Watch and right-wing activist Laura Loomer, who I believe is uh, noticeable for um, speaking up in public hearings. The suit alleged that those companies engaged in a conspiracy to intentionally and willfully suppress politically conservative content. Among other charges, the suit cited Loomer's ban from Twitter and Facebook after she posted something probably not nice about Minnesota Congressional Representative Elon Omar and also could also be due to Loomer's inability to grow an audience base and revenue on Google's YouTube channel. That's probably not the only reason she couldn't grow her audience, but I'm just <laughs> speculating. He's spitballing. Yeah. Now, in the ruling, District Judge Trevor McFadden notes that Freedom Watch and Loomer failed to back up a claim that the companies were state actors involved with the regulation of free speech, circling back to what you said a few minutes ago mm-hmm. about like how the whole First Amendment thing works. And uh, as the judge wrote, the plaintiffs do not show how the platform's alleged conduct may fairly be treated as actions taken by the government itself. Facebook and Twitter, for example, are private businesses that do not become state actors based solely on the provision of their social media networks to the public. So uh, long story short, the judge is saying that private companies uh, can't violate the First Amendment because banning users doesn't constitute government curtailment of free speech. And also these private companies have terms of service, too, that you, even if you don't realize it, agree to when you create an account and click through. That's right. And if someone wants to boot you off because you violated one of these rules of conduct, I I think that's on you. And Mm -hmm. go back and read that terms of service. Exactly right. Nobody reads anymore. Nobody reads. You know what we need? We need Schoolhouse Rock back. That's what we need. For the modern era. For the modern era. The millennials and the Gen Zs. They missed out. They desperately need it. They desperately need it. I mean, that's how I learned about the preamble to the Constitution in the first place. Absolutely. how a bill is made. Yes, I didn't learn that in school. I wasn't paying attention. And conjunctions and nouns. And yeah, the Manifest Destiny one was problematic. Um, yeah, it was it was problematic, but it was, you know... Yeah, the tune was catchy, and you, you yes. did realize how the country expanded, but yeah, it was, it was uh, shall we say, a, a one-sided viewpoint. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was also, you know, locked in the era uh, that it was created, and it was the 70s, and people, I guess, hadn't really sort of looked at the big picture, but Schoolhouse Rock, and we haven't gotten to the math and science, Interplanet Janet oh, and yeah. the math stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think our, our generation really hit hit the, the jackpot with the schoolhouse rock there. Ah, oh, Gen X. We are so cool. It's not yes. even funny. But, Sorry, uh, millennials. Sorry. Yeah, and yeah. boomers. Sorry. But uh, in other tech legal news, the state of Arizona is suing Google, claiming the company illegally tracked the locations of Android smartphone users there, even if they had all the location services features turned off. According to the Washington Post, the lawsuit seeks unspecified damages in arguing that Google, the maker of the Android smartphone operating system, set up its mobile software in a way that enriched its advertising empire and deceived device owners about the protections actually afforded in their personal data running afoul of Arizona consumer protection laws that prohibit companies from misrepresenting their business practices. So this complaint goes on to say, when consumers try to opt out of Google's collection of location data, the company is continuing to find misleading ways to obtain information and use it for profit. So Arizona mm. is mad at Google. And, and privacy practices from all of the big tech companies are a little queasy making. Um, so I don't know if we're going to yeah. see more of this. Uh, we're already starting to see... You know, even though the GDPR hasn't done a lot, there has been some movement on this. And, you know, this is even beyond like all of the, the speech arguments. This is just, you know, can you 
illegally or legally surveil people without their knowledge. So, so we'll see. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Moving on to artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Microsoft has included a standalone Cortana app from Windows 10 as part of the operating system's May 2020 update. Cortana's visual presence uh, had been previously confined to the start menu or maybe even saw her down in the taskbar there, but she wasn't really a dominant thing on, on your Windows system. But now she's got her own app and a window that can be moved around and resized at will, so she's just like any other program you may be using. And although she has been freed to roam around the desktop, her team up with Amazon's Alexa assistant hasn't happened yet. I remember they had made this announcement, Amazon and Microsoft, and they yeah. were going to let the two be sort of inter- interoperable. Besties. They were going to be besties. Yeah, but for those who may have forgotten that, Microsoft and Amazon formed a partnership the summer of 2018 to make Cortana available on Amazon Echo speakers and Alexa available through Windows 10, but the uh, marriage has not taken place yet. And they're in the courting phase. That's what's happening. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the prenup's going to be... Uh, that's going to be tough. I think. Yeah. Oof. Yes, but uh, Apple is also beefing up its Siri voice-activated assistant. The company recently bought Inductive Inc., a machine learning startup based in Canada. Inductive's claim to fame, in case you didn't know off the top of your head, uh, was that it developed technology that uses artificial intelligence to automate the task of identifying and correcting errors in data. As it makes sense, machine learning systems do better with clean data uh, because it helps the software improve with less human intervention. So uh, in order for the machines to really fully take over, they need less human interaction. So, Of course, and then they kill us in our sleep. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. but but they're just getting started here. Um, But uh, Apple's shopping spree didn't stop there. The company also acquired the full Fraggle Rock collection ahead of the reboot of the show that it has planned for its Apple TV Plus service. The original show, created by Jim Henson's Muppeteers, ran for 96 episodes episodes that I believe aired between 1983 and 1987. The new Fraggle Rock reboot is also uh, being created in partnership with the Jim Henson Company and will bring back characters from the original. So if you're fans of the first Fraggle Rock, Fraggle reboot will be very familiar. With the HBO Max rollout just this month and NBC's new Peacock video service scheduled to arrive this summer, the streaming is steaming, I would say. Streaming is definitely steaming. Yes. Uh, and it's costing more than your basic cable package. Yeah. So. Now, did you already have HBO? So you got the HBO Max uh, oh, on yeah. top this of it? Oh, yeah. This is what so. I did. This is what I did. I was very proud of myself. As soon as I heard that HBO Max was on its way in, I was ready to cancel my HBO service. But I wanted to wait to see if there's a deal because, as you know, they always do a bundle thing. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they got a Lorien. And sure enough, They dropped a bundle thing, a pre-order thing. I jumped on that. I canceled my cable box HBO. I went on HBO Now. Now! Yes. I got rid of HBO Go. You're out of here. Yeah. And now I'm HBO Max. All right. So two for one. I got Doctor Who. That's all all I care about. All right. So you're in a happy place. I'm in a happy place right now. Happy place. I don't care about friends or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The friends reunion is not really lighting my fire, but maybe I just- Yeah, of course. Yeah. Had believability problems with that one. Oh, first. please. I yeah. had a lot of issues with that show. So, you know, yeah. let's let's not go there. Yes. Um, and finally. And finally. The pandemic and fear of human-to-human transmission uh, has been good for the drones. Uh, the airborne vehicles have... <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know, I know drones are not your thing, but the airborne oh. vehicles have been doing some good. Uh, They've been busy the past few months delivering prescriptions and other medical supplies around the country uh, here in the States, like Florida, North Carolina, but also in more remote parts of the globe. Drone delivery of masks is currently being tested uh, from the mainland to the Isle of Mull on Scotland's west coast. 
And so they're they're getting out there places where a plane might be too much. The little drones are flying across bits of water and delivering masks and other vital pandemic-related supplies. So so they're doing good here. They've been doing some prescriptions. I think UPS and CVS might be using them, but 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 you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. No. They get in What's, good with you and then they turn. What says the Isle of Man? What say the oh, Isle of Man? Because malls okay? getting, yeah. Hey, you know what I'm saying? This is an important question. I'm obsessed with the Isle of Man. You realize that? <laughs> the drones wanted to mull first before they went to man. You know, give them I some gotcha. credit. I got gotcha. you. They're working yes. backwards in the alphabet. Yeah. All right. I yeah. understand. So, uh, I understand. So, but yeah, no, the Isle of Man someday will get us too. All right. Good. Good. Yes. All right. So that's been a uh, quick rambly look at the news. If you want to know more in detail about any of the stories we talked about in this section, including a a thorough look at Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, we will have links to all that posted on our show page at poptechjam.com. Up next, let's go to space. That was crambly. (laughs) It was very crambly. Ready, JD? I get to say it. I get to say it. You ready? Oh, say the word. Space! Oh, man, we haven't done a space story in so long. That was so refreshing. Oh, that was good. I know. Uh, I needed that. I yes. needed that. Yes. Now, were you, like me, kind of keeping an eye on the NASA TV live stream on Wednesday? Waiting Are to you see kidding space me? Yeah, rocket? absolutely. Okay. My friends and I were like, like on Slack channels discussing it right yeah. up until the launch. I had a guy, a friend of mine... Silvio down in uh, Orlando. He's a big listener of this show, by the way. And uh, a shout out to Silvio. He was giving us up to the minute because he could see the launch from his window. Wow. From his front yard. That is some choice uh, real estate there, if one is a space fan. That's right. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, well, I, and I had a, a vague feeling because, you know, you saw the weather forecast. And then when the weather person was talking about the amount of electricity or ionization, something in the atmosphere, that looked like it might be problematic. You kind of started, oh, well, maybe not. And then mm-hmm. when they call, called it, you know, before they could get off the pads, they well, you know, safety first, because we've all been space nerds long enough to know that bad stuff can happen. Oh, yeah. So so it's been rescheduled for uh, the weekend. And um, maybe some of you are listening to this episode after it's already happened. So uh, we, we won't spoil anything. Um, hadn't happened for us yet either, but depending on when you get your podcast dropped. But That's right. uh, because I... I knew that they were doing this, but it snuck up on me because, as you know, you said, Blur's Day. But they were originally supposed to launch May 27th, and it got bumped. But that's not the only mission that's happening this year. There's also another Mars rover going up in some type of launch window late July, early August for the Mars rover uh, Perseverance, which I keep mentally pronouncing preservatives, but... Another Mars rover, and so that's going to go up. The Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the California Institute of Technology have been working on a lot of the Mars stuff. But meanwhile, SpaceX is doing the first commercial launch of crew with NASA down in Florida. So it's been a very big week if you were at all enamored of astronomy, NASA, space exploration, any of that, all of the strictly in the nonfiction realm. There was a lot going on, and so I got to poking around because one thing about nerds is they love to share online. And if you go to Mm -hmm. the NASA.gov site, there is such a huge treasure trove of American space exploration history. They've got sound clips from, like, the Mercury missions. They've even got the Houston We've Had a Problem thing from Apollo 13, like the actual 
recording of the wow. astronaut saying that. That's cool. Um, and it's just and like tons of high def video from from oh here's the moon and here's and every you know all of the data from their missions because NASA is a public agency. They post it and it's free to share. And if you are at all interested in this stuff, it, just go there and like spend the afternoon because you will find tons and tons of things from video to things you can download. The sound clips you can get ringtones off there, and they have like free ebooks you can download. A NASA engineering manual should you find yourself in need of some light reading. Um, and they and so it's just wonderful. And their their social media presence. I don't know if you have noticed. Because everyone's got, you know, the usual Twitter and Facebook and Instagram feeds. NASA does all the channels. They've even got Jiffy, SoundCloud, and Twitch with their own accounts. And wow. so they're out there sharing NASA content on those systems. And then, and that's just the main NASA site. The Jet Propulsion Laboratory hosts the Mars Project sites. They've also got a bunch of sites dedicated to solar system exploration. And remember the Voyager interstellar probes that are still out mm-hmm. there? There's a whole yep. site uh, just for those. And those things launched in the 70s. Uh, and so there's a ton of info. But they're still flying. They're still flying. So, so that is one thing. Uh, if you need to indulge your space curiosity, the, just make your first stop NASA.gov. If you want to know when things might be happening astronomy-wise, like when will the next supermoon be so I can go out and take a lovely photo to put on my Instagram, or when will the uh, whatever media shower come through, because, you know, there's media showers various months around the year. If you want to get a heads up on when some of those things might be happening, subscribe or bookmark an astronomy calendar. There's a ton of them on the web. Just search, you know, astronomy calendar. The uh, calendar of cosmic events on timeanddate.com is pretty good. And uh, the New York Times actually has its own astronomy and space calendar. Uh, if you just uh, do a search for that with NY Times, it should pop up. That works with Google Calendar and the iOS Calendar app. Uh, the Moon Phase and Astronomy Calendar is another very popular one. And I think it's a, a guy who's just a space fan who puts all these dates in. And if you subscribe to it, it updates every year. So you get all the new Moon Phase information and when this is going to happen. So, so that can give you a warning. Then you just set up your calendar alerts and then, then you're clued in ahead of time when, when something's going to happen. Now, uh, as we were talking at the top of the show, uh, if you want to see the stars but can't because you live in the city, there's light pollution, you're sheltering in place and you're afraid to go outside, or you just don't know what you're looking at, um, (laughs) there are a ton of very popular apps. If you just uh, look for astronomy apps in your local app store, you'll probably get at least a dozen popping up. Most of them kind of do the same thing. They combine augmented reality with 3D modeling, and they take your location information and they put all of this together to kind of provide a, a customized tour of what you were looking at in the sky from your particular standpoint. Right, so if you look, right. I was like, oh, this is the star that's above me. And even if you can't see it because there's a building in the way or it's cloudy, the augmented reality layer puts it out there for you. And then it'll also overlay constellations. Um, like, you know, most people can usually find Orion's belt because the three stars are pretty easy to pick out once you know know what to look for, but Mm -hmm. to find the rest of Orion, you know, sometimes it takes a little effort. So they'll overlay that on the stars so you can see how people figured out that this should be the constellation for Scorpius or Sagittarius or whatever might be above you on any given day. Of all these uh, star watching apps, uh, Starwalk 2 is the one that I've been using since before it was Starwalk 2, back before it was just Starwalk. And that one has a ton of stuff in there. They've got their own astronomy calendar too to warn you of stuff. Tons and tons of information about missions that NASA has done because it is public information. Uh, and they've got some some other, like they've got Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster that he launched into space. Uh, that's <laughs> they're, they're tracking mission. that, yeah. Yes. So so that's out there. Um, and I love like, Starwalk. Yeah, and it, I it's $3. I mean, the only yeah. thing that gets a little too much, and all of these apps kind of do that, is they always have this ethereal music. 
Yeah. And yeah, yeah. you got to turn, you know, if you, if you want to concentrate on stars, yeah, because otherwise, you know, it's, I mean, if you listen to it long enough, you want to go light a sandalwood candle and, and meditate. But yeah, yeah. I, I think they're playing to a different crowd there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Starwalk 2 is great. There's a $2 app called Star Rover. does some similar things. That's also available for Android and iOS. And Skyview Lite, Lite being the operative word for free, it's ad-supported. But if you just want a sample, maybe try that one. Sky Safari is a super slick one. This one has a ton of paid versions. They range from about 3 to 40 bucks. 40 bucks? But the more money, the more data you get. And if you have a compatible uh, telescope with some software on that side, you can also use the app for mobile control of your home telescope. So, so that's for the super serious people who look at the stars directly. They just don't look up. They've got equipment in order to look properly. And if you don't have your own telescope at home, uh, because, you know, it's not exactly a super cheap piece of equipment. Um, no. Remember the Hubble Space Telescope? Yeah. It's been up there for about three decades. It's got its own website, and there's a ton of videos and photos on there if you really want to look into deep space. So nice. that's another option. Because we are in pandemic times, a lot of our favorite museums are closed. Because normally I would also, if I was in a space mood, either go up to the uh, Hayden Planetarium or if I was really, really feeling it, go down to National Air and Space in Washington. And they have two facilities there. The one on the mall that's getting renovated, but they also have the super cool one out in Chantilly, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, the Edvar Hazy component of National Air and Space. So if you can't get there, A, because it's closed or there are limited hours or you're on the other side of the country, hit up the websites of those museums because they will have some content on there for you, including online exhibitions that you can look at. Another tip, the Google Arts and Culture app, which we have talked about on this show. We have. They do arts, culture, and they have information about space museums. So Smithsonian's National Air and Space is on there, the Intrepid Museum uh, here in New York. The Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum uh, is full name. They've also got a presence on Google Arts and Culture, and you can see the uh, prototype space shuttle that was in there, the the Intrepid hosts. And if you go to National Air and Space, they have uh, one of the space shuttles that actually flew is on display in the uh, James McDonald Space Hangar down there, so be sure to check that out. Since we are in New York, we got to mention the Hayden Planetarium, the American Museum of Natural History. If you are super, super, super into deep space and the universe, there is a free educational version of the Digital Universe 3D Atlas on the museum site there. You can download it. It's a desktop program, and it's several gigabytes, as you would expect the universe to be, but if you're into (laughs) it... Check that out. You may have some time on your hands. I don't know. Maybe what, you do. What about Laser Floyd? I don't know if you get the Laser Floyd with it. Uh, ah, but, too bad. Uh, that, that was, uh, I miss planetarium shows. Yes, so do I. But uh, So those are some museum options. And then if you are isolating or quarantining with your family and the kids need something yet to do because camp's been canceled or mm-hmm. they've already blown through all of their remote homework, Yep, yep. A lot of museums have what they these science at home collections, which are basically hand-on science projects for children. The Chicago Museum of Science and Industry, one of my personal favorites, uh, has a whole uh, collection there, including designing a parachute. And if you have the right material, uh, you can build a stomp rocket to you know, nice. test your propulsion. Uh, the California Science Center also has several projects in their stuck-at-home science activity series. And they focus on using stuff, household supplies, to, to do your projects. So if you are sheltering in place, you don't have to go out and find really obscure things. Awesome. But uh, circling back, though, to, to the, the big one, though, NASA's website also has a massive area devoted to STEM education projects, bring resources for students of all ages. They, they pretty much go kindergarten to graduating high school. 
in the educational content they have. You can get everything from like free bookmarks with biographies of Katherine Johnson and the Hidden Figures ladies to uh, really sort of fun science projects that, that young kids can learn, uh, learn fundamental concepts in physics and engineering. There's a pasta project on there where you can use uncooked spaghetti <laughs> to build the tallest freestanding structure that will support a marshmallow for 15 seconds. And even though it sounds very basic, these are teaching you some very fundamental concepts on physics and, and weight and all of that. So fun stuff there. Clearly, a lot of kids get really excited about space because of the space ice cream and the space cheese, you know, all that freeze-dried yeah. stuff. And if you're doing the pasta project and they start talking about eating in space, NASA also has a whole eating in space YouTube video collection where they show you how to eat pudding in space and, and things. So Tang, tang? Uh, the, the, yeah, there's some tang stuff too because it Yay. was invented for them. So Yay! Lots of stuff out there. If you're, if you're looking to burn some time before the SpaceX launch or if you've seen it and you've been inspired and want to learn more about space, I'll have a link to a post that has information on all these things that I just talked about, and that'll be on our show page at... PopTechJam.com. Yes. So, so what are you going to eat for the, the launch? Uh, are you going to have like a launch party or? Nah, I'm just going to like plop myself down, connect with my knucklehead friends on Slack and get mm-hmm. the live update. Yeah. Let get them the report. Let them wind you up while they do. Yes, indeed. Well, of course. Well, it's nice yes. to have a, a you know, man on the ground down there with, with yeah. the, the live reports. Very so. cool. It's very cool. Thank you, Silvio. Yes. Thank you, Silvio. And we got to thank the bros. Yes, we do. Thank you, bros. BuiltByBros.com. If you think it, they will build it. And thank you, listeners. We hope you're all staying safe uh, wherever you happen to yes. be sheltering and have not gone uh, too shack-wacky, our uh, operative term here for the, the Q-Lives. So um, yes. Yes. so until next week when we're back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. Yes, you are. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Have fun, folks. Bye. Shack-wacky. Shack-wacky.